Hello, family. I'm so excited today because I have an extra special guest on episode eight. Somebody say eight. 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 My name is Janelle Haynes. I am the proud and principal owner of Just Be LLC. I'm also a member of Toastmaster. I'm the president of the club Eagle Seven Early Risers. And I'm excited to have this opportunity to share another person with you who I think is so important and so essential to this womanhood and being an entrepreneur. She has such a unique story and an awesome personality that I just feel the world needs to be in touch with. So today I introduce to you Paya, Dr. Paya Williams, if you will. She's gonna tell us more about what that doctor means we don't want to assume anything we just want her to have opportunity to let us know what that means so i would like to introduce to you dr paya williams dr p what's going on hey my janelle how are you i am well i am well so you're here today to share on my podcast called documented dreams and like i tell so many of my guests it's just an opportunity for you to tell the world about who you are and the great things that you're doing I feel that I'm either next to a person or a person away from someone who has an extraordinary story and is doing extraordinary things in the world who maybe feels like they're just an ordinary person, but there's so much more to me. So I want to create this space in order for the world to hear these extraordinary stories. So to start with yours, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and just what you're doing right now? All right. So like you said, my name is Paya. Uh, I have a doctorate in physical therapy. Um, originally, I was, I'm from Ohio. I grew up between North Carolina and Ohio. I uh, lived with my mom. Grew up as an only child, but not really, because my mama was one that always had like somebody else living with us, which is fine. Cousins that became siblings. Um, let me see. I went away to school. I went to Temple. I ended up staying in Philadelphia. Got married, had kids, um, and I started businesses. So cool. What's that's the, who I am. <laughs> I love it. What What is one of your businesses that you are currently running, or just tell us about some businesses that you started? So right now, currently, I have four businesses. The first one was the therapy. I'm a physical therapist by trade. So I started a therapy company. Um, then that kind of divided, well, made me go in the other directions, which is guardianship and service coordination. And then because I love basketball and my husband loves basketball, we actually started a nonprofit basketball and mentoring program. Nice. So guardianship, I'm not sure if a lot of people know what that means. Can you tell us what that means? So guardianship is when you have someone who's been determined by the courts to be incapacitated, meaning they can't make decisions for themselves. They don't have anyone else in their lives who can make um, decisions for them. So um, they need someone to do that. And by decisions that can be financial decisions, that could just mean, you know, making sure that they're able to stay in their home, but they can't necessarily figure out how to pay bills or how to get things done. So they need some help with that. Um, or, you know, making a decision that they're in the hospital, um, making some more serious decisions, but a court will appoint someone in that position. 
to be that person, the decision maker. Gotcha. And are you a person, so you're in a position to be appointed, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And I think that's so appropriate for you and the person I've grown to know because you're thoughtful in, in your decisions for caring about people. And I believe that, you know, God positions us in certain places for a reason. And for you, I don't even think it's a seasonal thing. I think it's a, it is where you're supposed to be in order to provide thoughtful care and make thoughtful decisions about some very important things that can happen in a person's life. So I think that's so appropriate, which is part of the reason why you're here, because you're telling you're telling your story, but you're telling the purpose you're, you're adding to the purpose in your story. And I just love that. I love that about you and I love that about your story. So speaking of a story. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if someone was to, if you were going to tell your story or have someone else tell your story, two things, what point of your life would you start that story? And then also, would you have someone else tell the story? Um, I'll start with what point in my life would I start the story? The point in my life that I start my story is when I was old enough to tell people how to correctly say my name. Oh, that was okay. that was the starting point for me. Um, and that happened to be at the age of two years old, correcting people <laughs> how to say my name. Hmm. Um, and would I have someone else tell my story? I mean, if they had to, absolutely, I would. And it would probably be my if, if able to, it would be my mother. If not, it would be my daughter. Nice. It's so funny you brought up your name as the place you would start because one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, what's the origin of your name? How did your mother or who, who chose Paya? This is a very unique name. Unique name. So let me tell you, my <laughs> mother um, tried to, you know, the, say it was, oh, it means unique. No, it is unique. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's not what it means but my name is made up um I believe that it was based off of my father's name his name is Payton um and that's the that's the end of that <laughs> wow but it, to your point though very unique and it does it, it's a conversation piece I think like when people meet you so tell me about Paya and then you know what's the story behind Paya it's a conversation it brings about a great conversation I think and I think even though you may, it might not have a meaning necessarily, it comes from a, a very um, important place. So I love that. So Paya, so how did you tell people, no, it's Paya? Or what were people saying that made you correct them? So a lot of people look at my name and say Paya. And so the correction, no, it's Paya. Paya. It's simple, simple, <laughs> direct and to the point. It's Paya. <laughs> it's so funny too, because I remember when we first met, there was somebody, I don't know who were, where we were, we were in Winston, but we were either ordering something or you were meeting somebody and you said your name and they said, what? You were like, pay it. And they were like, what? And you said, pay it, like pay you a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what an interesting association. In other words, <laughs> I'm going to get paid regardless of whether or not you go get this name right. <laughs> it was also almost like prophetic. Like, right. prophetic, rather. <laughs> this is the name. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay so tell me why you chose physical therapy and how how that turned into you know went from one business to another so physical therapy came about um talking to one of my good friends and being in high school and not knowing really what I wanted to do um I knew that I wanted to do something maybe 
with people and I played sports. So of course, naturally you think of like sports medicine. I knew I didn't just want to be a trainer. I wanted to do something more than sports. Um, so that's how physical therapy was kind of brought up with the, during the conversation. And I started looking into it and I was like, oh, okay. But then I started um, interning, like in, in undergrad, I was interning and I, I actually liked it. I was at a hospital, I was at Temple Hospital and working with different kinds of people, different population, different injuries um, beyond sports. And that's how I fell in love with it. That's awesome. It, it seems like it was um, an easier choice than a lot, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially when you're in college, because there's so many options, you know, and then everybody has a vision or a thought for which they think you should be. To your point about sports, I'm sure everybody thought, probably thought she's athletic, cool, sports medicine, that works. Temple's a really good school for that. Um, ironically, that was one of the schools, you know, I was looking into for recreational therapy and, um, so I know they had an excellent program and to know what you want to do and um, pursue that. I think that is a blessing because <laughs> I still am trying to figure out what exactly I want to do. So to know that early on, I think is, is absolutely a gift and, you know, a gift from God, to be honest. Um, all right. So tell me, what is your personal mission? So, you know what? When I think about my personal mission, the first thing that comes to mind is to help as many people as possible. Whether it's um, physical therapy, whether it's guardianship, whether it's just walking down the street and seeing somebody in need. Um, it's, it's, a, it's just as simple as that, just to help as many people as possible. I don't know if it means me listening to somebody, me just being in the right moment at the right time, or just being willing to at the right time. But that's what I think of when I think of my personal mission. It's, it's basic. But it kind of fits everything that I do now. Yeah, for sure. You you do it very well, um, which leads me to <laughs> it leads me to this quote that you know I think about or I, I I love Bill Russell's story or one of the things people know about me is I love to hear people's story and I think Bill Russell has a phenomenal story like. It's still one, you know, we talk about Michael Jordan being the GOAT. And then when I had an opportunity to kind of dig deeper into Bill Russell's story, I think he was the one that paved the way for more GOATs like a Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? And if you hear any of, you know, our greatest athletes now, no matter what sport they're playing, he's, he's a point of reference. And so one of the quotes I heard when he was talking in his documentary, he said, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. So when, we, when you hear that quote, what do, what do you think? You know, I think about you specifically. I chose that quote for this particular interview, but I think it it reflects something. And I don't know exactly what, but it made me think of you. When I hear that quote, when you just said it, I was like, oh, that's me. That is me. Yeah. Like, I would say the same thing. Like, I, I feel like um, I don't have, like, this major major talent I don't but I am passionately curious I ask a lot of questions much to people's dismay at times but I ask a lot of questions I dig deep I I want if I want to know something I'm going to find out the answer or if I want to do something I'm going to do it yeah. so even if it's something that quote unquote 
you can't do that or people tell you you can't do oh okay you're like thank you okay. I'm definitely about to do it now <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yes, for sure and so when you think about you doing that is there anyone that um is there anyone that is supporting you in that and gets the least amount of credit let's see that supports me and gets the least amount of credit I don't know if it, if they do get the least amount of credit um, because I think that the people that know me or that are in my circle, they know what people are dealing with. So they're typically like when they think of my husband, you know, my fam- the biggest joke in my family is, oh, poor Jermaine, poor, poor, <laughs> poor your husband. He got to deal with you. Or like people that know my mom, like to me, like, you know, my mom would be my biggest supporter, I would think, um, just off the top of my head. But people know that already. Mm-hmm. So they, they've seen it or they'll see it if she's around me. They'll see it just as a glow. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I don't know if that, there's anybody that gets the least amount of credit. Yeah, I can I see think, that. I think people know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's again, it speaks to you know your desire to help as many people po- as possible, and I believe you're probably someone who also gives flowers, you know, while people are living. And so I try to. Yeah, no, absolutely. So if you had to, you know, a whole nother sports analogy, which is funny because my husband uses them all the time, and I find myself rolling my eyes like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, but. To that point, though, it is helpful to be in places where sports are available to you because there are life lessons around it, right? Or there are parallels, you know, from sports to real life. And so when you think about your starting lineup, if you will, who would be in your starting lineup? And you don't have to name them, but maybe name some of the things or attributes those individuals have. So my starting lineup would definitely be... um, Oh, starting lineup. That's only five people. Well, it doesn't have to be five. I have, I get teased all the time because I have an elite eight. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm like, so Perfect. it doesn't have to be. So, it don't have to be eight. It don't have to be five. Of course. Okay. So my starting lineup definitely has to be my husband mm-hmm. and my kids. Um, they don't get the least amount of credit, but they do get the brunt of things. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm, you know, working, working, working they get the brunt of it. Um, they get to see all sides of me. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Um, my mom goes in that too because she will get a phone call at any given time. <laughs> um, so that, that's four. That's my first four. Then I have my... Um, then I have my girlfriends that hold me accountable. I have those that I can call um, whether it's once every six, seven, eight months. And we talk for a good however many, 45 minutes to hours at a time to catch up and, you know, get all my spiel out. Or whether it's that girlfriend that I can call, like, all right, right there. Um, and and we, we got to chop it up. We got to chop it up. Um, my girlfriends that I call that. And, and honestly, my girlfriends in my starting five, they're the ones that I can you know, laugh, talk junk with. They're also the ones that I can call and sit on the phone and just be just being quiet and just be like, I just I don't know what to do. And they'll sit with me or they'll pray with me or they'll cry with me, you know, or they'll or they'll just be quiet with me. And we okay. 
So I have I have that I have those four. Um, let me see one, two, three. <laughs> I have and then and then I have I have my old heads. I have two old heads that are considered my best friends too. And when I say old heads, they're they're old enough to be my mama. Yeah. Um, but um, while we have that, you know motherly relationship we also have that I can still talk to you any type not any type of way respectfully of course but I can still spill my guts Mm -hmm. to you um even as my old head and they're going to provide a different you know wisdom Mm -hmm. they're going to provide a different angle a different experience whereas my top four girlfriends they're providing different experiences but this still might be relatable to my age to my Mm -hmm. to where I am in life right now to where I may have been or where I may be going. Mm. So um I say I got a good I got I got a good 10. A strong 10. Oh, I love it. I love it. I get teased for having so many. So you you helping me out. Like I'm not the only person in the world. Listen, <laughs> we're blessed. I call that blessed. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What's one word to describe you? Determined. Determined. Um like I said, if I get something set in my mind, more than likely, if it's in God's plan, it's gonna happen. Whether other people think it is or not. Nice. That's a good one. What is your first or your best childhood memory? Uh when I think of first childhood memories, I think of riding a big tractor trailer with my grandfather um it was a big orange one too and he used to kind of let me drive so you couldn't tell me i wasn't doing something um but that that, that's a good childhood memory running around without socks and shoes on uh playing outside i was very much what they would consider a tomboy but i mean it was a time to be free it was a time to be you know, active, um, competitive, uh, have friends. It, it was it was good times. Yeah, for sure. Especially grandparents. I mean, they, don't you create you create some of the best memories with them? <laughs> you can be your most innocent self. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're not judging you. They're not trying to, you know, they get you back in line. But for the most part, they're gonna let you be your freest self. Yes, yes, much to sometimes to your parents' dismay. As you know, even me as as a parent, I'm looking at my mom like you like this. How you just gonna let this fly? Right. This this is what we do now, and I can look back and see my mom doing the same thing to my grandma, who was very very you know strict with my mom. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. baby. <laughs> what are to, the, to that point I was hanging around some other people from North Carolina recently and we started talking and my daughter was present and we immediately were like Lord we sound like our parents what are some of the things what are some of the things you find yourself saying that very thing like oh Lord I sound like my mama oh well I know so I have um I have a teenage daughter mm-hmm. uh who, and I, I find myself sounding a lot like my mom these days. Uh, as far as, you know, 
I guess being accountable for your own actions. My mom used to say, one of the biggest things she used to say is, you know, you can do some things and you can try to apologize, but it's like sticking a nail into a tree. You can stick that nail into a tree and you can take it out, but that hole will still be there. Mm. So you have to be mindful of the things that you have to be mindful of the things that you say to people because while you can apologize and try to take it back that hole never fully goes away mm. um just making sure like i know again speaking to accountability you know this world we live in is crazy but just like you know being mindful of your actions there's a lot of things that people are going to do and say to us that you know can be hurtful can be you know you want to react to it a certain way but you always have to be mindful that consequences are based on your actions not what somebody else did to you necessarily mm -hmm. um so you always have to keep that point in mind this is oh child having teenagers mm -hmm. brings out a lot of your parents in yeah you. for <laughs> sure. i was gonna say that's probably the age when it really starts when they become teenagers you're like now it's time to be the mom Mom. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not your big For girl sure. job, because yeah. You know. Well, and thinking about what your mom said, it just dispels that whole statement or that myth that words can never hurt you. You know, we used to say, "What, whatever that little rhyme yeah, was to break my bones." Break words, that is the yeah. biggest lie anybody ever told. That Absolutely. is the biggest lie, and and it's funny. There's some things you just wish that people hadn't even put out there because we believed it. We truly believed that we could say, part of the reason people continue to say what they wanted to because they felt like the words don't really hurt, you know? Um, and then when we start to, you know, this evolution of really, I think the word, you know, used most often now, or was used often, I think it's evolved into other things, is emotional intelligence. And, you know, mm. thinking about how people are gonna feel and respond. And Maya Angelou really had it the right way. She said, people will remember how you made them feel, you know, and never, yeah. that is the truest statement when we think about words, you know, how mm -hmm. we use them and they're so powerful. You know, that's one of the jokes in my family is that, you know, Chanel's sensitive when you got, remember what you're saying, what you're saying, you know, what you're putting in the atmosphere. I'm like, absolutely, your words have power. Right. Right. You know, and my my latest statement is speak life over yourself or don't give it life. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've said it jokingly, but I said it seriously. You know, don't give it life. If somebody's doing something, don't even give it life, you know, or right. let's let's speak life into this thing that we want to see come to fruition. So, you know, with that said, what is something that you're speaking life into right now? Uh you know, I think I speak life into my children a lot these days in this world that we live in. Um, just making sure that they grow up to be, or praying that they grow up to be good people mm -hmm. in general. Like mm -hmm. that they are successful, of course. We want our children to be succeed. Um, that they're compassionate. Mm -hmm. um, that while they're being compassionate, that they're not being foolish that, that they have a sense of wisdom with that compassion that they have a sense of common sense with that passion um being passionate with that comp compassion mm -hmm. being passionate about whatever they choose to deal with in life um i think in this world in this day and age uh my children become my focus 
became are not become my focus. They've always been my focus, but um, this day and age and all the stuff that goes on and and again, sounding like my parents because mm-hmm. I remember them saying the same thing about our generation. But yeah, oh, it's just it's just speaking life into positive past for them, successful mm-hmm. past for them, um, being just responsible, loving people, but, but you know, not forgetting who they are, uh, remembering where they came from. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest thing that I can speak life into. Yeah. Well, they're the future, so why not? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you forget about yourself, but who's going to be left when we're gone? And it's going to be our children, you know, and and their children. So, you know, I think it's important to keep that, continue to keep that process or that um, those practices, you know, um, to keep going. Awesome. So tell me, this is kind of a question that's going to go maybe deep. Maybe not. Okay. I like deep. Let's go. Uh, You know, we like deep. (laughs) (laughs) What's the hardest decision you had to make? And who did it impact? Hmm. Let me see. The hardest decision I had to make. Oh, I ain't going to go there on live. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I think um, the hardest decision. One of them. It can be one, one of them. One of them. Mm-hmm. All right. I think the hardest decision I had to make was moving away. Mm-hmm. And I think that it impacted me the most because, um, so one of the things that people don't know about me is, or wouldn't think about me, is that I'm an introvert, but I act very much as an extrovert. Mm-hmm. So when I was in school, when I was in high school, I, it was already in my spirit. I was like, this is not the place for me. I got to move. I got to get away. I got to, you know, move away. And so I, I grew up with my mom as a single mom. And, but like I said, you know, I had cousins and stuff that came to live with me, but they were older. So me moving away and going to school, I think it's like a seven hour, seven or eight hour. So way, I, w- I grew up in North Carolina. I moved to Philly to go to school. I think that was the biggest decision that I made. And I think that it impacted me the most because as we all, as, as we know, may or may not know college is full of experiences you grow you definitely grow up in college um and to move away to a city to a state i didn't have any family in Mm. this whole entire well i can't say the state but i didn't have any family in philadelphia um my family was in ohio next door in north carolina all around Mm. um i did have family in Pittsburgh, but that's still four hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, so to move away and go through things and go through a struggle mm-hmm. and go through relationships, go through loss, go through um, having to be a grown up, having to be absolutely accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was the biggest impact on myself 
Um, I would say some of the impact would have been on my mom too. Uh, but she might have been, you know, living her best life, you know, with that empty, <laughs> empty nest. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say it impacted me the most because it was either, what do they say? Uh, it's time to put on your big girl draws. It's time mm -hmm. to, you know, get off the pot or stay on it or do whatever you're going to mm -hmm. do. Um, I think that was the a, a big decision. Mm -hmm. Moving away. Did you feel better about the decision once you got there or were there times where you questioned your decision? Oh yeah, there's always times. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's times, there's tears, there's Lord, <laughs> what have I done? Yes, there's a, oh yeah, there was questions, but mm -hmm. do I think it was a an absolute great decision for mm -hmm. me? Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. What kept you there? What made you say, uh, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm not, or I'm not out of here. I must, I must stick this thing out. Well, so the plan was to keep on moving further away. <laughs> <laughs> what kept me here was uh, this, this now husband of mine, mm. 16 years later, mm. and, and, and these babies of mine, <laughs> and in in the economy, because had it not been for New York being so expensive and paying so little when you out of college, mm. I might have been on in, up in New York somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. So that kept you like as, as an adult, but like in your freshman year, you know, I had a, a cousin and a sister-in-law who came from completely different environments and went to a college where it was a culture shock many times. And it was like, every every time there was a holiday, she was like, all right, it was nice meeting you all. I won't be back. And her mom was like, uh, no, you're going right back. <laughs> and she, you know, she was so glad she stayed, but you know, did you ever have that moment where you're like, so this Christmas, yeah, I think I'm gonna be back in North Carolina or go back to Ohio for that matter. So, you know what? I, I, well, yeah, I came back, but I never came back with the intention of staying. Like, all right, this, this ain't for me for real, for real. Like, <laughs> let me go on back home. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't. I think um, I was blessed when I came to college that starting orientation weekend, I met my core group of friends. Mm. And my core group of friends were from all over. They were from Boston. They were from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, they were different. They mm. were very different. We were all different from each other. Mm -hmm. um, different walks of life. Um, different backgrounds growing up um you know it was the first time that I had met people whose parents had been married for 25 and 28 years I didn't grow up seeing that mm -hmm. I'm like oh your parents been married how long mm -hmm. what you didn't have to apply for student loans mm -hmm. and then having friends that shoot they did have to apply for student loans they grew up like me single parents or they grew up with no parents or it was just different like my my group of college friends that you know where maybe i might go home with them mm -hmm. for a weekend or for a holiday or you know seeing differences um and going through the trenches with these different people that found love for me it it, it, it was something that yeah, I wasn't going back home. I was, I wasn't going to stay back home. It was time for me to start my life. Yeah, 
it sounds like there was there were many affirmations for your decision. You're like, oh, this was yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's awesome. What are some of the greatest lessons you learned in college? Um, I learned that. I think the biggest thing I learned was, you know, it's going to be all right. Mm. You just got to keep pushing. It may not be what you thought when you thought about it. It may not look how you wanted it to look, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be all right. Yeah, I might hit rock bottom, but guess what? Ain't nowhere to go for me but up. Mm. Um, But I still got to get up and do it. Um, yeah, I might split this two for two with my boyfriend because we ain't got no money, but we gonna gonna work it out. We gonna work it out. Um, yeah, okay. Um, we not at home no more. Mommy's not waking me up no more. Mommy's not making sure she talks to my professors. Oh, oh, I gotta do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I gotta learn. I gotta learn how to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to stand on my own two feet. Yeah, my mom was still there, still a phone call away. Mm-hmm. But just learning how, all right, you you all right. You're going to be all right. It's going to yeah. be okay. Just keep getting up, keep pushing, keep taking one step at a time. It may not look like what you wanted it to look like, but guess what? The end result may still be the same. You might just took a different path to get there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, whenever we have an opportunity to be awarded or rewarded, there's always somebody that you like, or oh, I feel like there's someone that you are honoring when you have that moment. And I think about, again, I'm back to basketball. It's interesting. I never played the sport, by the way. <laughs> but there are lots of valuable lessons in that come out of that sport. One of the things I really appreciated about another GOAT, which is Michael Jordan, is that when he gave his speech, you know, when he was being inducted, he asked, of course, I'm going to draw a blank on his name right now, but the gentleman from North Carolina who sincerely has some struggles, you know, being in, um, in the basketball light, he struggled with, you know, addiction and he had an opportunity to coach later for uh, Carolina. I think he went and played his name. Either way, Michael Jordan chose him to be the person to stand with him when he gave his speech. So if you had to have somebody stand with you as you give me your Hall of Fame speech, who would be that person? Oh, that's a good question. Hall of Fame speech, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, So naturally, I mean... I think the first person that comes to mind is is not alive right now. Mm. So the first person that comes to mind would have been my grandmother uh, because she she is like, oh, I might be her reincarnated versus my mom. <laughs> but um, just her struggles, the uh, things she went through, the person she was um, to my mom who in turn I think like who she was to my mom versus who she was to me and who she made my mom to be, which in turn became the mom for me and the person who I am 
Um, it just it speaks a lot. I think I would have had her stand up there with me um, mm-hmm. just because I feel like she's owed a lot of, she would be owed a lot of credit. Um, I think it would, I think it would have been my grandmother. If I had, could, could I, can I use her? Absolutely. There's no okay. limit. This is your speech. You, okay. so you can do it, it the way been, you want to do it. I think it would have been her. She only yeah. had, um, just to speak into it, she only had a sixth grade um, level of education. Mm. She got married young. She was the youngest of her siblings. Um, definitely grew up during, you know, that era of slaves and cotton picking and all that stuff. Mm. Got married young. Um, actually ended up starting her own business, mm. going to hair school, um, starting her own salon. A lot of my memories are in that salon traveling the world because my grandfather was in um was was in the army mm-hmm. um learning a different language um being very very a strict parent to my mother uh so my mother was required to be at a level of excellence or you know successful mm-hmm. um but by the time she became a grandmother you know, she wasn't as strict, but she was a strict grandmother as well, taught me a lot, but made sure I knew that she was praying for me just if mm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, just And just who my mother turned out to be because of my grandmother, mm-hmm. because of the strong person she was, because of her battles, even because of her demons, like the lessons I've learned from her demons, from, mm-hmm. you know, not so great times, but mm-hmm. the lessons that came out of that. I think that she would have been the person that I would have stood with me. Mm. And I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow, she sounds very strong. And um, her level of influence, I'm sure, could have touched many people. People could get some great examples of, you know, living, you know, a certain type of life that propels many, many people, you know. Um, And so it, it makes me, the words that came to mind were strength of a woman. And when you think about that, what, what do you know? Could we easily say, you know, what is the strength of a woman? <laughs> easily? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. But uh, the strength of a woman, I don't even know what we could say because there's so many things mm-hmm. uh, balled up into to one amazing human um yeah. i don't know just just the ooh, just the nurturing just mm. the being that person for a lot of people like i think part of the reason i not part of a lot of the reason my mom took in you know people to live with us and cousins and even students she was a professor it's, it's i got sisters and brothers from all over the place mm-hmm. quote unquote sisters and brothers from all over the place mm-hmm. um and the reason i i have done the same um mm-hmm. the reason i love the elderly population the reason that i got into doing what i do i think started from my grandmother people women who give you their last who go without mm. so that you can have and it doesn't just have to be their kids it could be somebody else's kid yeah and they'll still do the same thing it could be somebody else's mother parent grandparent it doesn't matter i think that that 
ability to nurture, that ability to love, that ability to sustain, to survive, uh, mm-hmm. just that ability to to be, even when it seems like there's nothing else to have, to do, it's still that ability to just stand and, and yeah. be the person. I think that... <laughs> I think more often than not, that's that's the strength, our ability to figure it out when it feels like there's nothing left. That part. You know, like, I just, the, the fact that God gave us that, um, well, I don't know, would you call it intuition or that ability that... All of the above. Yeah, all of those things that say, you know, um, okay, it feels like you're stuck, but let me show you. Actually, you're not, let, you get, I don't know, we get creative in those moments. You know what I mean? I think our ability to make something out of nothing or what seems like nothing is yes. part of the strength too. We find a way out of no way. And honestly, I, I, I think it's the attachment to, you know, the God, like, you know, aligning yourself in that relationship. And I often, y'all never want to want anybody to feel uncomfortable, but I'm also like, you know, the Bible says if I'm ashamed of you, he'll be ashamed of me. And I can't, I don't ever want to be ashamed of the fact that he is giving, given us so many um, attributes that allow us to figure out so many attributes and so many, um, what is the word I want to use? Um, I don't know. <laughs> and, to that point, it's indescribable what we have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to create, to to make something out of nothing. It's uh, you uh, you you get a loss of words when you think about those times when you had to, you know, split the happy meal or the, you know, <laughs> yeah. How you gonna wash the clothes? And you only got enough to literally wash. Right. Maybe one load. You might be short a couple of coins, or you know. And I was blessed enough to go to a college where my grandmother was and my aunt was. But honestly, to your point of like figuring it out, there was sometimes where I was like, I just gotta figure it out on my own. Like I gotta build this strength that I now have, you know. And I can't keep worrying, you know, my grandma, or my aunt, or you know. And so, in some ways, it was pride, but in some ways, it was also me saying, no, I, I gotta build my grit, you know. Right. <laughs> let me let, let me be a little gritty right now, you know, right. and have a part of the story to be t- me telling how <laughs> I might have been in the, my little sweet sink, you know, walking out my ambitions like this. I can't right. exactly, but they got washed. They got washed. They were clean, right? And you figured it out. I figured it out. They might be hanging up in the closet right now, just drying, but but they drying. What I'm not gonna do is put on some dirty. You know what. For sure, for sure. Okay, so we're almost done. We don't have to be, but um, (laughs) what group of people do you hope to inspire? Uh, So naturally, you want to inspire the younger population. So this part, uh, I think Sometimes I get confused with inspiring and impacting. Mm. Um, 